Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. So we're talking about who's our neighbor, and uh, we've had Love the Valley last week. It was amazing to come together and to serve our community, and uh, we were able to give a lot of hampers, and uh, just to say, the more you get closer to the community, the more you see the needs. There's so many needs around us, and uh, I believe that God is calling the church to arise and and to, uh, and to be this bridge between God and, and, and the world. And uh, Love the Valley, it's one weekend a year. And I believe that we're called to do more individually, but also corporately. That's why we're having the, the, uh, the community meal. We're pretty excited about that. So, so what we want to be as a church is we want to have a ch- we want to be a church with a big heart. Would you agree? Can you say to your neighbor that you want to have a big heart? We want to have big hearts, right? And um, when we were uh, bringing hampers and, and serving the community, I, I, I was thinking about if Jesus would be living in south of Manitoba, what would he do? What would be on his, on his heart? And it made me think about um, if we want to reach our neighbor, I believe that we need to have a proper understanding and view of Jesus, and sometimes as we do life, sometimes we, uh, we develop our own Jesus. Or what happens is that we, we, uh, we, we go astray or we, um, we just, um, we, we just we, we, uh, we're going a little further and further from the biblical Jesus. And so we don't want to see that. We want to, uh, we want to go back to or we want to know Jesus for who he is. And it says in, uh, in Hebrews chapter 13 that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So Jesus doesn't change. We change. And, and as a church, we, we, one of the things we say that the only thing that doesn't change is change, right? In the way that we want to adjust our methods, we want to, um, we want to be flexible of how we do th- things. But the last thing we want to do is to compromise the message. What we don't want to compromise is who Jesus is. And I, I like to give this illustration that I gave that I give at the partnership class. We can I can present to you a fish in a garbage bag, a nice walleye in a garbage bag or a jack or a trout, whatever kind of fish you like. And I can bring it to you in a garbage bag and say, here you are. And you will say, oh, thank you. But there's some of us that we wouldn't be excited about cleaning and dealing with the sliminess of a fish. But if I would go to your house and say, here's a fish that was deep fried and with fries and tartar sauce and, and a good Greek salad, you probably would say, when are you coming over? Right? It's the same fish, but the presentation was different. So as a church, we want to be flexible when it comes to our methods and how we do things. But one of the things we don't want to compromise is who Jesus is. And I believe that we need to have a fresh understanding of Jesus, like I said. Sometimes what happens is we just, we just go astray and we lose sight of who Jesus is. And, and when it comes to who Jesus is, it's, you, you, you're, so, there's so many voices that are trying to define to you who Jesus is. And i got to go to the source. I've got to go to the Bible. And I think it's huge for us to have a proper view of Jesus and understanding that it's important for us to have a, a fresh 
freshness of who Jesus is, that Jesus would still excite us and that Jesus would still be the one that we desire. Like a new convert that experienced Jesus for the first time, we don't want to go astray from the reality of Jesus. And if you have your Bible, take a look at Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, where we find the definition or who Jesus is. Um, It says in verse 13 from chapter 16, Matthew 16, verse 13, it says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, and if I just pause it here, Caesarea Philippi was a place where the Romans worshipped their gods. So when Jesus was with his disciples, he was close to the place where the pagans were worshiping their gods. Like I had the privilege to go to that location and there's no more statues, but you can see all the places where the statues were. So Jesus is there with his disciples and the environment is totally pagan and he's saying this, he's saying this. So when he arrived to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciple, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they replied, some say that you're John the Baptist, other Elijah, and others, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? And this is where Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades or the gates of hell won't overcome it or prevail over it. So what we find here is is who Jesus is, that he is the Christ, and he is the son of God. And here it says that the gates of hell won't come against the foundation of the church that is Christ, that Jesus is the Christ, and that Jesus is the Son of the living God. It's so very important for us to remember this, that the church is founded not on the apostle Peter, but on the confession of what Peter said, that Jesus is is the Christ and, and the Son of the living God. And to unpack the Christ and to unpack the Son of God, there's lots to unpack when it comes to that. Because when we think about the Christ, the Christ means anointed one, means the Messiah, means the sent one, means the one that came to redeem, to redeem, to redeem the world. And so when we look at, at, at the Christ here, we have to think about the mission. We have to think about him reaching out, him coming down, taking the form of a man, like it says in Philippians chapter 2, and, and serving us and, and giving his life for us and, and, and having us at heart. And, and when we look at this tremendous grand story that we find in the Bible, it's this love story that God is in pursuit of us. So when we look at the Christ, what we see is we see a God of redemption. Amen. It's still on the war, it's still, he's still on the move. He still um, reaches people, and, and we are his ambassadors. And, and, and through us, God wants to reconcile the world through the Messiah, that is Jesus, and through the way of the cross. Amen? At the same time, you have this picture of the, the Son of the living God that means that he has all authority. That he, is, uh, that he has authority, that he is God, that he is the king over a kingdom. And, 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 I, and I believe that concept or that truth is, is hard to digest in the society today, is that we want the benefits 
of, of the kingdom, but we don't want a king, right? Like it says in Roman uh, that there's joy, peace, and righteousness in the Holy Spirit. And, and, and so how do we find righteousness and peace True righteousness, where it talks about your identity in, in Christ, where you're fulfilled and complete. You can only find that in Christ. And where do you find peace and joy? It's only in God. But what we want is that we want the benefit of the kingdom. This world wants the benefit of the kingdom. And sometimes us too, we want the benefit of the kingdom, but we don't want a king. But the only way you can have the benefit of the kingdom is by having a king. So you have this tremendous, beautiful Savior that comes and lays his life down for the cause of many, for those that were lost. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's the anointed one. That's the high priest that Hebrews talks about, that Jesus was a high priest that made a way. And then you have Jesus as the Son of God that rules in majesty. And I think it's important for us to take a hold of these two, these two pictures uh, and that we say, how do I live that? How do I live Christ in me? And how do I live to see the Son of God over my life? And I think it's important to unpack that. And one of the dangers for us is to have only an intellectual, intellectual knowledge of Jesus. Like, if you would ask people who Jesus is, they would say, well, he's a good guy. He's, he was a good man. He, he did some good stuff. But we, we have to realize that when it comes to Jesus, he's more than a historical figure. He's more than just someone that walked on earth. Yeah, he was a son of God, and he was on a mission that was to redeem. But his desire was to be personal with us. So you, you can know about God, and you can, or you can know God. Or let's say we'll, 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 make it, we'll make it more personal. You can know about Jesus, or you can know Jesus, right? There's a big difference between the two, them knowing about Jesus and knowing Jesus, you, you might know facts, you might know truth about Jesus, but it's not like knowing him, right? And, and we, we, we know that picture. We, we, I could talk about an illustration of you know, so you know about someone, but you don't really know until you walk with them, until you connected with them. And, and so, so when it comes to Christianity, when it comes to Jesus being the Messiah, his desire was to bring us in fellowship and in communion with, G, with, with himself, with the Father. Amen? And there's a verse that you, you are very familiar with. It's not... It's not a, 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 a new verse. It's found in Revelation chapter 3, verse 20. It talks about churches that were there in biblical time. And some of them, they were uh, following, the, following God. And, and some of them were passionate for God. And others have lost their saltiness, kind of. And they've walked away. Some have lost their first love. And, and, and when Jesus... Uh, when you, you, we read Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus is talking to the church, and it's, he's talking to a church that was prosperous. Actually, history will say that Laodicea burned down to the ground and was able to rebuild on their own resources. And, they, uh, and, and Jesus says, you were blind, uh, you were naked, and you were poor, but they were rich, and they had black wool, and they had a place of, of, uh, of uh, a medical system, a medical place where their focus was ointment for the, for the eyes, where people from that location would go and have ointment to, for, for their eyes, for, for their bodies, and, and so on. But the, the thing is it says here that that the church is really naked poor and blind and here you see 
Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, what a picture. He says, here I am. Jesus says that. Jesus says, here I am. I'm there. I'm present. I'm right here. I stand at the door and knock. You can see the initiation of the Lord. Jesus is the one that stands at the door and knocks. The effort of the Messiah here, the, the effort of Jesus to connect with his church. If anyone hears my voice and opens the doors, that's my responsibility to hear his voice because he's, he's speaking. It's, you know, maybe I have my, my iPods on, right? <laughs> and I'm not listening. Maybe I'm distracted, but I'm not taking the time to, uh, to listen to what he has to say. But when it comes to, if, if, if anyone hears my voice and open the door, that's up to me and you. But look what he says, though. I will come in and eat with him and he with me. It's way more than a historical Jesus. It's way more than an intellectual Jesus. And this is where people that do not know the Lord, they don't understand that Jesus is, is, is about it is to be experienced. It's way more than knowledge. Jesus is to be experienced. And think about that right now. He's ascended in heaven, okay? At that time, he's ascended in heaven when John wrote this. And here you see Jesus says, hey guys, I'm knocking at your door. Now, not only I'm knocking at your door, I want to have supper with you. Like, I'm not talking here about having a Big Mac on one cheek driving your car, right? It's having supper with you. In biblical times, having supper, it's not like, you know. I used to say my dad um, never, like, he had good teeth all his life. And I said, it's probably because he never used them. Because he never chewed his food, he just swallowed it. But for sure, dad, you don't have any teeth problem because you don't chew. But when it comes to having a meal with Jesus, it's like connection. You see? It's a connection that you have with him. It's like eye-to-eye contact, looking at the white of someone's eye. And it's, it's, it's relational. It's a stop of time. It's connecting with him. When's the last time you had supper with Jesus? When's the last time you had supper with Jesus? You can look back and say, yeah, I had supper with Jesus. But you know what I mean? You say, well, what do you mean? Did you, did you prepare a lunch, lunch for him? No. But you had this time with him where it became personal and he was there with you and you felt refreshed by him and, and he saw you. He, you saw him. There was genuineness. You were with him. This is what Jesus came to do. I need to have this fresh, a renewed passion view of Jesus that wants to be personal, that wants to have supper with me. I don't want only to have an intellectual knowledge of Jesus or memory verses I've learned when I was a kid and just going through the motion and having a cultural Jesus, a cultural Jesus and not having a Jesus that is at my table where I'm having supper with. I, there's a big difference between the two, Right? And honestly, sometimes we find ourselves in, in between and, and we're not always consistent to have supper with Jesus. But that should be our desire. Would you agree? Our desire to have supper with Jesus. And the beauty with having supper with Jesus is not linked to your age. It's not linked to your IQ. It's not linked to your social status. He's knocking at the door of my life and he says, Claude, I want to have supper with you. Well, well God, I've got this to do. I've got that to do. I've got to take care of business, blah, 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 blah. 
and I miss out on the fact that Jesus wants to have supper with me. I need to have a renewed vision of Jesus. I need to see him in a fresh way, not in a religious way, in a fresh way, right? And, and when I understand that Jesus wants to have a, relational, uh, a relationship with me, he wants to have supper with me, he also promised that he will always be with me, right? Never I will leave you, never will I forsake you, meaning that he will empower me, meaning that he will be by my side, meaning that whatever I face through life, he's right there all the time. I need to have a renewed vision of Jesus that it doesn't fall on me in a way that it's not something I need to do or I try to perform, but it's to know that it's beyond fending for my own and and realizing that God wants to to move in my life. It's it's having a, a vision of Jesus where I know he's in me and I know he's with me and I know that because of that, something happens inside of me. I think that's so huge. You know, we might change, we, want, we might want to change the world. And, and I think it's cool that we want to make a difference in the world. But did you know that the only way that the world can change is based on having a new heart? Doesn't matter politically, doesn't matter social justice, doesn't matter what we do, the only real change The only way that this world will change is when there's a heart change. And so it's with me. Like I can bring anything, I can push anything, but if there's not a change heart, there's not going to be any change. And so what we want to see, it's to see our hearts be changed, knowing that God wants to move in me, and, and that God wants to do that change inside of me, but knowing that the solution for the world is they need to Encounter the gospel of Jesus Christ that changes hearts. I, I like this, this um, example of John Newton that lived in the, uh, in the 1700s. And he wrote, he's the one that wrote Amazing Grace, right? Most popular hymn ever, Amazing Grace. Everybody sings it, right? Amazing Grace. But when you look at the story of this man that used to be a, um, a slave um, trading uh, captain because he had a boat and uh, he moved from slave from one continent to the other. And then he came to the knowledge of Christ. It changed everything. He sold everything and, 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 and he walked away from everything and he wrote Amazing Grace saved a wreck like me. And what he did, he turned around and he tried to rescue uh, Slaves and, and so how, how do we see that social change or that social um, transformation? It, because it started inside. So Jesus is all about touching the heart. So the last thing I want to do as a Christian, it's to try, it's to think that change can happen without a heart transformation. It just doesn't. It's good intention, but it doesn't. First of all, it changes me in the inside. And second, it makes me preach a gospel of Jesus that saves, that is the anointed one, that is the Messiah, and that reaches through two lives, two lives, and, and by that message, that's the only way that this world will change. I know all of us, we would like to see changes, but the real way that changes will happen is when there's a heart transformation. I don't see another one. And it starts with us, but it, starts with the, it also follows with the message of the gospel. So it's, it's, it's way, 
Way more than doing life alone, it's to know that Christ is in me and he wants to move me, he wants to lead me. So we want to see that in our lives, right? And I, I, I like in Matthew 16 where, where um, Peter says, you are the Christ and the son of the living God. And, and Jesus says, wow, Peter, it's not man that revealed that to you. It's my father in heaven that revealed that to you. I, I want to see that happen to me, right? When I do life, I, I want to be able to say what the Father has, puts in my heart. And, and so it's way more than just me doing things, but it's to be inspired by the Holy Spirit, you know? Like we sang this morning, we want you, Holy Spirit. We want you, Holy Spirit. But to have more of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't happen without surrender, you know, if I don't, listen to this, if I don't surrender, Holy Spirit comes and washes over me like a water on the back of a duck. But when we are saying, God, I need your direction, I want you in my life, and, and, and I'm in a place of desperation, this is where the Holy Spirit comes and fills my life and empowers me to do his will. But I need to remember that Jesus is about walking with me and talking to me. And, and showing me what I should do and what I should not do. And it, it, it doesn't talk about me t- t- taking initiative and, and me trying to do things on my own. It's about, God, what are you saying? What do you want to do? And I think that if that would be central in our marriage, in our relationship, it would be unreal if we would say, God, what are you saying? What do you want to do? Because God speaks and God reveals his thought, right? Thirdly, we want to see Jesus more than religion. Would you agree? Religion is about adhering to a belief system. And I don't want to live my life like, you know, that's my, Christianity is my heritage. Like I was born, I don't know, Lutheran or Baptist or Pentecostal or Mennonite. And I will die a Mennonite or I will die, uh, I don't know, a Methodist. And, and, you know, and where you say religion is what we do, or is, is, is my, it's my heritage. It has to be more than that, right? It has to be more than that. When we look at Christianity, it's about a, and when we look at the Messiah, the anointed one, he came to bridge the gap between us and God. And there was a huge gap, impossible to go to God. If he would have not come, we would be lost without him. So he came to, bri- to bridge the gap between us and him. And, 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 the thing is, and the thing is, we would be lost w- without him coming. And, and so we, we don't want just to adhere to a system of belief or just to say it's my heritage. We want it to be alive in us. I like what Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, I have loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. Your unfa- with unfailing love, I have drawn you to myself. And you see, you see here the beauty of, of the groom that or the beauty of, of the God that, that pursues his people. And in New Testament, we have the picture of a of a groom and a bride, where the groom lays his life down to win the groom. And, and it's not about do's and don'ts, but it's about being caught in love between us and God. And saying, God, you love, you love me so much. And, and, and I respond, God, how, how can I love you? 
How can I love you back, right? How can I love you back? It's with this phrase, how can I, can, how can I love you better? So, so, so when it comes to having a fresh view of Jesus, it's way more than having a religion that we go to and say, that's my inheritance. It's to realize that brought, God brought you in a relationship and, and Jesus did all the legwork and I need to respond to it and I respond with commitment to it. Because of the love I have for him, because he first loved me. That's the foundation of first love, so I give him back my love. I, I want to have this. If I can just have your attention for a moment, before I know that it's hard to stay focused. I, I just want you to realize that, that you are pursued by God, and that God really loves you and really cares for you. And, and when you understand that, it causes you to love him back. Not out of fear and obligation, but because he's so good, right? So, so we don't want to see Jesus as a religious figure. We want to see him as, as someone that we love, that we pursue as we were pursued. Also, number four, when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, I don't want to see Jesus as only a servant figure where my belief is based on what he does for me and when he doesn't do what I want him to do, then I ditch him. And then I find reasons in the world, and then that's my reason in the world to be mad at God and to be bitter because he didn't do what I wanted him to do for me. That's very, very North American. It has to be deeper than that. You gotta realize that life is not about us, but it's about him. Remember this, foundation for the church. He is the anointed one, the Messiah, that lays his life down, life down, but also that he is the son of the living God, that he's the son of the living God. You cannot just have the Messiah. You need to see the son of the living God that has supreme authority, that I respond to his call, that I'm his, I belong to him. I'm called to live life according to his ways, according to the book, the Bible. I'm calling to align myself with his will. Why? Because he's the king. And because he rules in majesty, it's not about me doing whatever I want. It's about me coming under his lordship. And so, so, so it's very important for us to see that, right? So, so I can't just see Jesus as a servant figure. As much as he came to serve me, I need to realize that he's my king, right? And to realize that life is way beyond 70 years or 80 years or, or 100 years. Look what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17. For a light of momentary trouble... Or achieving for us eternal glory that for outweighs them all. And Paul here almost died. So he calls his death momentary troubles. Uh, verse 18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is seen, unseen is eternal. It's life is way more than here. So I, I've got to realize that Jesus, listen to this. Jesus cares for me, but there's a bigger picture. Jesus is not just there to take care of my, my problems. Jesus wants to empower me to do his will. You know, I look at Matthew 25, one of the most majestic call of the church, where Jesus says, I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. I was sick. And he came to me. And then the sheep were there and said, when, Lord, were you like this? And he said, when you did it to the least of my brethren, you did it unto me. And then the goats were saying, God, when were you hungry? They didn't see it. 
The difference between the sheep and the goats is that they didn't see Jesus. They did not know the heart of Jesus. So, so it's very important for us to have a renewed view of Jesus. How do we see Jesus? Will influence the way I live my life and will influence my worldview. So I, I need to say, God, reveal myself to you. Uh, reveal reveal your, yourself to me. And, 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 and my challenge for you this morning as, as we leave this place is that you would say, God, I, Jesus, I want to have a fresh vision of who you are. Renew me, Lord. Renew my perspective of you being the anointed one, the Messiah that comes and rescues and saves that still wants to do that. And renew my, my view of you as the son of the living God so that I can align myself with your will and so I can live a life that honors you and glorifies you. Amen? I would ask you to stand. Father, we, we stand before you this morning and we don't want to lose sight of Jesus. We don't want to lose sight of who Jesus is, the anointed one, the Messiah, the one that loves, that still loves, that wants to love this world through me, that wants to love me first and love this world through me. May I be driven by that, Lord. The mission of the Messiah is to save what was lost. I just pray that in my heart it would resonate. That you came to save what was lost. This is the heart of the gospel. And secondly, secondly that you are the son of the living God. Help me, Father, to see Jesus as my Lord. That I would submit to his will and submit to his ways. That I would not do whatever pleases me, but I would do what honors his name. <clears throat> that I would see him as the authority over my life. Father, I just pray for the conviction of your Holy Spirit when it comes to sin, disobedience, selfishness, that we would, put, we would bring things under your feet and we would say, hey, Lord, here I am. It belongs to you. I'm your servant. I'm your son. I belong to you. You redeem me in return out of love. I commit my life to a life that honors you. And if you're here this morning and you, you're not a believer or you walked away from the faith or you're, you're, you're in a hole, you are in a hard place, cry to Jesus. It's not religion. It's not a system. It's, he's a person. You cry to him and be real before him. You'll see a change in your life. He's going to come and speak to you. He's going to come and reveal himself to you. And if that's, if, if that's you, go to the prayer room after the service. There's some amazing people that would like to pray with you. Mm. And Lord, as we conclude this meeting, we just, I just pray that we would have a fresh vision of Jesus in a new way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.